Welcome, friend. Follow me. We're going somewhere dark, somewhere dangerous. Most people would never dare enter the place we are going. There's no telling what horrors we'll find, what terrors we'll uncover. Don't say I didn't warn you. We might discover terrible monsters lurking there. Be careful, they could follow you out. Or maybe they're already inside you. Are you afraid? Good. Now you are ready to enter the Warning Woods. Hey. Callie didn't see her friend Apple until she was standing right beside her and jumped in surprise at the sound of her voice. Whoa, sorry, did not mean to scare you, Apple apologized. I just had a quick question. She paused. Actually, a huge favor to be honest. Callie rolled her eyes. I know what you're thinking, Apple said. I ask you for big favors all the time, but this one is actually huge. There's something in it for you this time, though. She rubbed her fingers together. Callie asked, How much? 300 bucks, Apple replied. 300? Jeez, Apps, what do you need me to do? Kill the principal? Apple smiled. Her mouth opened to its fullest and reminded Callie of the guy on her dad's Aerosmith poster in the garage. Tyler something or other. Yes, but no, Apple finally said. It's a babysitting gig. That pays 300? Callie raised her eyebrows. Well, it's overnight. For the whole weekend. Apple's cheeks flushed. You'd be watching an 8-year-old girl and a 12-year-old brother at their house while their parents go to a silent retreat. Callie asked, What's a silent retreat? It's where you go somewhere remote and everyone hangs out without any technology or cell service or anything, and nobody can talk the whole time, Apple said. Why? Just to reconnect with yourself. It's a good thing to do every once in a while. Why do you know so much about it? Callie asked, feeling she was scratching at the surface of something Apple didn't want to discuss. Oh, well... Apple shuffled in place. She adjusted the backpack hanging from her left shoulder. I'm kinda gonna go there too, with my parents. But don't say this is a hippie thing, Callie finished and laughed. You know that after naming their daughter Apple, nobody is surprised by your mom's doing hippie things, right? Apple smiled. She knew Callie only gave her a hard time out of love. All the other kids smiled and pretended to accept her, but she knew they all sneered and joked behind her back. Not Callie, though. Callie put the jokes up front and backed them up with love. Apple found her far more accepting and inclusive than everyone else who put love up front and hid the jokes behind. So, will you do it? Apple asked. I'm their usual sitter, so I told them I would find someone I trusted. That basically means you. Wow, you really know how to butter me up, don't you? Callie gave her friend a knowing look. Yeah, I'll do it. The bell's gonna ring, so just text me the details. Apple threw her arms around Callie, whose arms were too full of books to return the embrace. Then Apple was washed away by the rapid river of high school students rushing off into their classroom tributaries for the next period. Callie couldn't help but feel a little irritated at Apple once she had the specifics of the babysitting gig. The silent retreat wasn't on just any old weekend. It was that coming weekend. Three days away. Callie wished she had some righteous reason to be upset. Some plans she would have to cancel, some promise she had made to someone else. But her weekend happened to be wide open. She would be babysitting Riley, 8, and Dean, 12, for not one, but two nights. 
She had to be there at 7 on Friday evening, and the parents wouldn't get home until around 7 Sunday evening. Callie started having second thoughts. The tantalizing $300 suddenly seemed cheap. It might have been enough for Apple, who apparently knew these kids already. But for Callie to sleep in a strange home for two nights and spend two whole days with children she had never met, she would need a little more incentive. She texted this to Apple, who didn't respond for a long time. Callie started to think maybe her friend would find someone else instead. She hoped so. But no, Apple replied a while later. They said they can do 350. As a high school senior, Callie had been shopping for colleges. She knew what it was going to cost. It's hard for an 18-year-old to wrap their head around what $50,000 a year truly means, but Callie knew it was a hefty chunk of change. With that bill looming over her future, she didn't feel it would be wise to turn down $350 just because she felt uncomfortable. After checking that it was okay with her parents, and convincing them this wasn't just a cover for a weekend rendezvous with a new boyfriend, Callie told Apple she would accept. At 6.55 on Friday evening, Callie knocked on the unfamiliar door at 901 Steinbeck Avenue, the address texted to her by Apple. A stern-looking woman in business-casual attire opened the door. Her horn-rimmed glasses and thick maroon lipstick made her look like someone you wouldn't want to say the wrong thing to, so Callie stayed quiet. Good to meet you, Callie. Why don't you come in? The intimidating woman stepped aside, allowing Callie into a large, tiled entryway. The walls were white, the tile and trim were rusty orange, almost red. A curved staircase on the right led up to the second floor, and a glittering chandelier hung down from the ceiling two stories above their heads. The kids are up in their rooms. I would introduce you, but we're running late, said the woman. You know how to negotiate, so I assume you're smart enough to figure out the rest of what you need to know. Callie shirked at this thinly veiled dig. The kids mostly take care of themselves. You're just here to make sure they don't, you know, burn down the house, as they say. Where should I sleep? Callie asked. She was glad this woman, Frances, was in a hurry to leave. She didn't want her around any longer than she needed to be. She had expected parents more similar to Apple's moms since they were doing the same hippie stuff over the weekend. It seemed these parents were just a power couple acknowledging the trendiness of holistic living. Frances said, I turned over our bed. Our room is upstairs on the right. Otherwise, the couch pulls out. You can decide what's best for you. Then, Ah, here's Matthew. Matthew, this is Callie. Please write her a check so we can leave. She even spoke to her husband like a child. The man who had come down the stairs was wearing dark khakis and a sweater with the white collar of a dress shirt poking out around his neck. He had a neatly trimmed beard and round glasses. His appearance made him look soft, safe, passive. But his eyes traveled up and down Callie in a way that made her squirm. Good to meet you, Callie. I'll cut the check, Matthew said. He disappeared through the door under the second-floor balcony. Looking to fill the silence, Callie asked, So, do the kids like movies? Frances exhaled sharply through her nose and said, Don't expect the children to spend any time together. They don't get along. Dean insists on playing a character Riley would rather not associate with. I usually just let them be. Callie got the feeling Frances was quite good at letting her children be. She was more than happy to let the siblings hang out in their respective rooms, though. In her backpack, which she unloaded from her shoulder and set to the side, she had brought plenty to do. Matthew, who Callie guessed never let anyone call him Matt, materialized in the doorway with a check. Did you forget anything? Frances asked her husband. 
If I forgot, how would I... Oh, yes, hush, she scolded. It seemed even meek Matthew wasn't immune to the opportunity for a good dad joke. Well, unless the babysitter has any more questions, I think we should go. Nope, I'm all good, Callie said. I'll just go upstairs and introduce myself to your kids. If either of the parents caught her subtle derision, they didn't react. All right, in the car, Matthew. Francis spoke to her husband like a child again. Callie felt grateful that the retreat they were headed to would cut them off from the rest of the world. As if reading her thoughts, Francis spun around again to face Callie. Oh, one last thing. We won't have any contact once we arrive at the lake. I put the emergency number up on the fridge. If something goes wrong, call that number, tell them what happened, and if it rises to the level of urgency which should require our attention, the attendants will tell us. With a curt nod, Francis turned and exited the house. Matthew gave Callie a slightly more gracious nod and the hint of a smile, but Callie saw his eyes drop to her chest before he turned away again. She had his money, that's all that mattered. As the front door shut behind Matthew, Callie looked up the stairs. Supposedly, there were two bedrooms, each containing a child up there. She decided to go meet them. The plush, white carpet of the stairs padded her every footstep. The third stair from the top was the first to make any noise at all. It groaned beneath her foot, but then the last two were silent. Callie stood at the top, looking down and across the narrow hallway. As Francis had described, the master bedroom was off to the right. Through the open door, Callie could see it also had a small bathroom she could use. The full bathroom was just across the hall from the master bedroom. On the other side of the stairs were three doors, two on the right and one on the left. The one on the left, based on how much space was available, had to be a closet, Callie decided, so the other two doors contained her charges for the weekend. She knocked on the first one. Yeah? A smaller version of Francis's voice asked. Callie cracked open the door. The girl, Riley, was lying on her stomach on her bed, with her head propped up in her hands. Her face, too mature for her age, Callie thought, reflected light from the iPad propped up in front of her. An exuberant voice was coming through the device. Hey, I'm Callie. Just wanted to say hi since I'll be here all weekend. Riley paused whatever video she was watching and raised her eyebrows at the babysitter. I thought Apple was coming, she said. Oh, well, Apple is actually going to the same place as your parents. I'm her best friend, though, so hopefully we can have just as much fun together. Riley's eyes flicked back to her screen. Callie said, Well, let me know if you need anything. I'm going to go say hi to your brother. Riley sighed. I wouldn't bother. She pressed play on her video. Callie shut the door. She took five steps to the next door, noting how quiet the floor was. The same thick carpet from the stairs padded her footsteps. Callie hoped the kids weren't apt to sneak around at night because there was no way she would hear them. She knocked on the second door but received no answer. A little nervous to open the bedroom door on a 12-year-old boy, Callie gripped the knob loudly and gave it a dramatic, rattling twist. Even then, she opened it slowly. The room was dark and red. Red light covered everything. Blackout curtains were drawn shut over the windows. The boy was standing directly in front of a heat lamp dangling from the ceiling. Callie saw the silhouette of his back. He was wearing big headphones, and Callie could faintly hear music that sounded like an aluminum trash bin rolling down a cement hill being chased by a screaming pig. No wonder he didn't hear me knock, she thought. She knocked hard on the wall and half shouted, Hey! Dean's head whipped around. With one hand, he pushed his headphones back slightly. In the other, he held a wriggling rat. Callie gasped. 
Are you the babysitter? Dean asked, unfazed. What is that? Callie demanded, pointing at the rat. Haven't you seen a rat before? Why is it inside the house? Dean stepped aside, and Callie saw he had been standing in front of a large glass case, a terrarium, and perched on an artificial log behind the glass was a thick, yellowish snake with big brown spots across its back. Callie gasped again. She hated snakes. Nothing scared her more. She stepped back and shielded herself with the door. A smug grin cracked across Dean's face. He tossed the live rat into the terrarium and closed the lid. The snake snapped forward, and before Callie could blink, it had twisted its sizable body around the rodent three times. Only the rat's tail was moving now, flicking up and down, slower and slower. She's a ball python, Dean said matter-of-factly. She's pretty, right? Um, can we talk out here? Callie asked. Dean wiped his hands on his pants and stepped toward her. Sure, what's up? He said. That thing never, like, gets out, does it? You don't ever, you know, let it go free? Sometimes, just around my room, Dean said. But if you're scared, I won't do it while you're here. That would be really great, thanks. So, who are you? Dean asked. Oh, sorry, my name's Callie. I'm Apple's friend. I'm here to babysit this weekend. Yeah, I guessed that part. I'm Dean. Why is your room so dark? Callie asked. Dean shrugged. It's just the way Valak likes it. Who? The snake. I named her after that demon in The Conjuring. Oh, Callie said. That's... well, that's something. Do you like horror movies? My sister never comes out of her room, so maybe we can watch one later. Callie was surprised the snake-feeding, horror-loving metalhead kid was the friendlier of the two siblings. He seemed almost eager to spend time with her, but didn't creep her out like his dad had. He genuinely seemed like he wanted a friend, or maybe a parent. Your parents are okay with you watching that stuff? Dean said, Well, I guess they don't really know what I watch. We don't talk that much, you know. Um, sorry, but I don't really handle those movies well. Callie felt a growing soft spot for Dean. She gave him a sympathetic nod, but as she looked over his shoulder, she saw the rat's hind legs disappear down the snake's throat. Its tail twitched. Callie looked away quickly. Nice meeting you, she said. She briskly traveled down the hall to the master bedroom, shutting the door behind her. She ran to the toilet and dropped to her knees. She heaved and gagged, but thankfully did not puke. Callie returned to the entryway once her stomach had settled, and she could stand without feeling dizzy. Her backpack wasn't where she had left it. She scanned the entire foyer and didn't see it anywhere. Hey guys, she called up the stairs. Unsurprisingly, she didn't get an answer. She yelled, Hey! Making it clear she meant business. One door opened, and Dean appeared with his headphones wrapped around the back of his neck. He leaned over the railing. What's up? He asked. Did you do something with my backpack? He said, No. Want me to ask Riley? Please, Callie replied impatiently. The boy turned and Callie heard a door creak open. At least those make some sound, she thought. A moment later, Riley screamed something Callie didn't catch, and the door slammed shut. Dean reappeared, red-faced. She says she doesn't have it. <sighs> Thanks for checking, Callie said. She didn't trust these kids, but she didn't know them well enough to go prying in their rooms either. She was less than ten minutes into her 48-hour assignment. 
those ten minutes had not boded well. Hey, have you guys eaten dinner already? She asked Dean. He nodded. All right, well, I'm just going to look around for my bag and then, I don't know, watch some TV or something. Dean nodded again. He put his headphones over his ears and vanished. Callie explored the rest of the house, which didn't take long. The house had clearly been designed to look more impressive than it actually was. It looked big from the outside, but was actually quite shallow. The large entryway, painted white to make it appear even larger, gave an impression of wealth and status, but it hid the tiny, if well-furnished, kitchen and cramped living room beyond. And that, essentially, was the whole house. Callie was pretty sure her family's humble ranch-style home had more usable square footage. She located the emergency number on the fridge, then filled a pot with water to boil for macaroni and cheese. She reached over the pot, found the right knob for the burner, and turned it all the way to high. She retracted her arm suddenly as steam shot up from the uncovered pot of water. The steam was so hot it left a red mark along the back of her arm. Callie stood in complete shock, staring at the water which had automatically jumped to a boil. Was this some kind of new stove technology? How hot did a stove have to get to instantly boil a pot of cold water? Callie dumped in the noodles, then searched for a stirring spoon. She found one in a drawer, then returned to the pot to see it had gone still. No steam rose from the water's flat surface anymore. She gave the noodles a stir, but no steam was released. Hesitantly, she dipped a finger into the water. It was cold. Impossible. Callie left the burner alone, and after a few minutes, the water began to boil normally. She was able to finish making her macaroni without incident, but she couldn't stop thinking about the water. She wanted to call Apple about it, but of course, Apps was at the silent retreat. If Callie wanted to talk to her, she would have to use the same emergency number Francis had left on the fridge. Callie took her mac and cheese to the couch and turned on the TV. She didn't want to start something new. She felt too off-kilter and uneasy already, so she put on Family Guy to pass the time. The water, her backpack, the strange quietness of this house. Individually, each of these made her uncomfortable, but together, they frightened her more than she was willing to admit. How was she supposed to sleep in this weird house with that snake down the hall? Dean said he wouldn't let it out of the room, but accidents happen. She pictured the rat's tail twitching as it hung out of the python's split jaws. As she watched the show, Callie straddled the line between ignoring the noises from the floor above and monitoring them. The kids were old enough to come get her if they needed something, she thought, but a shriek made her think otherwise. Still chewing, Callie ran to the stairs. She could see Riley's bedroom door was cracked open. The girl was still screaming inside. "'Riley?' Callie called as she bolted up the stairs. Dean's door was open too, the red light spilling out onto the carpet. She pushed open Riley's door and saw the girl standing up near the head of her bed, backed all the way into the furthest corner. "'What is it?' Callie asked desperately. Riley continued screaming and pointing at something low behind the door. Terrified she was about to see the snake loose inches from her feet, Callie stepped back to peer between the hinges. "'Please just be Dean with a Nerf gun or something,' she thought. But no, it was much smaller." Callie had to bend nearly halfway over to see what was moving behind the door. One of the formerly silent boards in the hall suddenly decided to groan as if stretching after a long nap. The creature behind the door turned toward the sound, its eyes locking with Callie's. It raised its nose, 
showing sharp teeth protruding from its pointed jaw. The creature was a rat. Dean? Callie shouted. This was, what, an hour into the gig, and already she was scolding one of the children. With her situation continually worsening, Callie decided to put a dead stop to this misbehavior. Dean had seemed innocent, but Callie wondered if he had been hiding his true nature. Down the hall, a toilet flushed. A faucet turned on. Splashing. Wet hands on dry jeans. The bathroom doorknob. What? Dean asked, sounding as stupid as his expression when he exited the bathroom. Get your rat out of your sister's room, Callie ordered. Riley was still screaming. Dean ran past Callie into Riley's room and searched frantically around. It's behind the door, you idiot, Riley screamed. Dean spun, then immediately dove for the rodent. He caught it deftly with one fluid motion and took it back to his room. Callie followed. Why? she asked. Why would you do that to her? I thought you two left each other alone. We do, Dean pleaded, taking on his innocent alter ego. Honestly, I don't know what happened. Check the cage yourself. There's no way he could have gotten out on his own. I didn't think he did, Callie said shrewdly. But I was... I was in the bathroom. You saw me come out. Dean looked down, defeated. He should have seen it coming. I didn't see you go in, though, Callie retorted. She crossed her arms and leaned on his doorframe. Yeah, I know, Dean replied. I don't want any of this for the rest of the weekend. Got it? I bet if I have to call that emergency number, your mom is going to be pissed. No, please, Dean shouted and stepped forward. Callie worried he might run at her. Don't call mom. I promise I'll make sure there's no more rats in Riley's room. I promise. Should be easy enough, Callie thought. Just don't put any more in there. Callie threw away the rest of the mac and cheese after it went cold. These people could afford it. She didn't feel like finishing the show, either. She hadn't checked on Riley. Oh well. The kid would have come down if anything was wrong, and Callie wanted to shower. As she undressed, Callie was grateful for the locks on both the master bedroom door and the master bathroom door. She felt confident that weird little Dean couldn't possibly spy on her while she got cleaned up. That is, unless he climbed all the way up to the second story to look into the small window in the bathroom. She wondered why any bathroom would ever have a window in it. She cranked the shower up just about as hot as it could go and took her sweet time. If Dean had been able to climb up to that window, he wouldn't have been able to see anything anyway, thanks to the cloud of steam. After another five minutes or so, Callie shut off the water and felt around for the glass door. It was fogged and dripping. She drew back the door and set one foot out of the shower. It felt cold. Of course, air of any temperature might have felt cold after such a hot shower, but Callie could tell this air was colder than it should have been. And with horror, she realized the cloud of steam had vanished. How quickly it had evaporated. It was impossible. Like water instantly boiling, she thought. But unfortunately, there was a very reasonable, physical explanation this time. The window was open. The window which had certainly been closed and locked before she got in the shower. And her clothes were gone. Panic. Disgust. Anger. The emotions wrapped themselves around Callie beneath her towel. Once covered, she stood on her tiptoes at the window and looked out. She thought if she was lucky, she could catch the creep who stole her clothes before he got away. But no one was outside. 
No ladders or anything else that could be used to ascend to the second story. Callie slammed the window and locked it for what little good that would apparently do. But wait, no. She was being ridiculous. There was absolutely no way to unlock that window from the outside, so it must have been opened from within. She put it all together. Dean had figured out how to unlock the bedroom and bathroom doors, had snuck in, taken her clothes, and... and... tossed them out the window? Callie pondered this as she opened the bathroom door, not noticing that the lock clicked, indicating it had either remained locked or been locked from the inside again. Callie rifled through Francis's stiff clothes, quickly sliding every shirt, blouse, and dress in the closet aside. Finally, she thought to check the dresser and found some white silk pajamas with a blue floral print. They were a little big, but better than nothing. Dean? She stormed into the hallway, stomping toward the boy's room. She didn't necessarily expect to find him there. He was probably out in the garage trying on her underwear for all she knew. As if to defy her imagination, Dean opened his bedroom door just as Callie stepped up to it. Hey, he said all too casually. Give them back, Callie demanded. Give what back? My clothes, creep. I, uh, what? Dean's ignorant mug begged to be slapped. His shaggy hair fell into his eyes and he whipped his head to the side to clear them. Callie thought, this kid is a stereotype of trouble. You took my clothes from the bathroom while I was in the shower, Callie screamed. Riley opened her door and peeked out. This doesn't concern you, Riley, Callie said without turning around. She didn't hear the door close, but didn't care. I swear I didn't do anything, Dean said. I've just been in my room, I promise. Oh yeah? Then who opened the window in the bathroom? It was locked. Someone opened it from inside, Callie said with a prosecutor's confidence. Dean looked to Riley as if she might help him out. Callie now turned to look at the grinning little girl. She could tell Riley loved watching her big brother squirm. Callie wondered how often he was held accountable for his little misdeeds. Let me look in your room then, Callie demanded as she turned back to Dean. I don't think... Now, Callie pushed past him. No, wait, I need to... The babysitter's horrified shriek cut him off. Four still rats lay on the floor. Their necks were broken. The python watched their cooling bodies lazily from its cage as it digested their friend. I told you I wouldn't let any more get into Riley's room, Dean said meekly. So your solution was to just, just murder them? Well, I couldn't figure out how that one got out, so yeah. I can still feed them to Valak, so I won't waste them. That's it, Callie put both of her hands on top of her head. Tell me where my clothes are and we'll just forget about it, okay? I don't want to be in this room. I don't want to talk to you. I don't even want to be around you. I just want my clothes. And my backpack. I still don't know where that went. And it has all my stuff in it. Dean looked like he might actually cry. He said, I'm telling the truth. I don't know what happened to your clothes or your backpack. I'll help you look if you want. Oh, so you can play the little hero and magically find everything? No thanks. I'll find it all myself. Callie stormed out and slammed the door. Riley had wisely retreated into her own room already. Just go to bed, Callie shouted over her shoulder. She shut herself into the master bedroom, too angry to do anything else. Since Dean could apparently unlock the door somehow, she propped a chair under the knob like you see people do in movies. She wasn't sure it actually worked, but it made her comfortable enough to get into bed. There she stayed, until morning.
When Callie emerged from Francis and Matthew's bedroom a little after eight, she expected the kids to be down in the kitchen getting breakfast or in the living room watching TV. But Francis hadn't been kidding. They really did stay in their rooms all the time. Sleep had refreshed her, given her a clear pair of eyes for the day. She decided it was time to take a new approach with the kids, with Dean in particular, but she would include Riley to avoid seeming like she was singling him out. You catch more flies with honey, as they say. Callie knocked softly on Riley's door first. She wasn't sure how late kids usually slept. The door opened and Riley smiled up at her, already fully dressed. Hi Callie, you gonna make some breakfast? The little girl asked. I could. I was hoping to talk to you and your brother downstairs first, if that's okay. Callie thought the trick might be getting the two of them out together. Oh, sure. Riley didn't seem too enthused about the idea. Why don't you meet me down there? I'll get Dean. We'll talk, then I can make whatever you want for breakfast. Eggos? Riley asked hopefully. Callie chuckled, nodded, and rubbed the top of Riley's head, then sent her downstairs. Yo, Dean, she said into his closed door as she knocked. You up yet? There was no verbal response from the other side, but Callie heard movement. She waited patiently until the door cracked open. Dean's messy hair covered most of his face, and he wasn't wearing a shirt. He, apparently, unlike his sister, was not an early riser. It's so early, Dean said. Callie nodded sympathetically. Yeah, I know, but we need to talk. Your sister's waiting downstairs. I need you there, too. Is this still about your clothes? Dean asked. Callie said, It's about everything. I'll see you downstairs. She turned away, and Dean closed his door again. Five minutes later, the trio sat in the living room. Callie took the big armchair in the corner so Dean and Riley would have to sit on the couch where she could see them both at once. She loved how this made Dean squirm. Okay, listen, she started. We've got two whole days to get through together, and I know we'll all go crazy if it's like last night the whole time. The kids subtly nodded. So here's the deal. We can forget about everything and start over. I just want my things back. I'm going to make breakfast so I'll be in the kitchen. While I'm down here, I want my clothes and my backpack to magically reappear on your parents' bed. Okay? I won't ask any questions. I won't point any fingers. If my stuff comes back, we can all just relax this weekend. Got it? Dean looked up and opened his mouth to say something, but it never escaped his mind. He shut his mouth, looked back down, and nodded. All right, run upstairs and let me make some egos. That's it? Riley asked. She actually sounded disappointed. Yeah, that's it. Riley slid off the couch and ran to the stairs. You too, Dean, Callie ordered as she stood. Dean nodded again and slunk out of the living room. Callie found a cup in one of the cupboards above the sink. It was a heavy, thick glass, high quality. She filled it from the tap, brought it to her lips, and tipped it back. With her eyes closed, she didn't see the steam. Scalding water splashed into her open mouth. She shrieked and spat at the same time, dropping the glass in the sink where it split in two. The rest of the water splashed out and steamed up the cold metal basin. Callie's tongue had been burned raw. Her lips and the roof of her mouth had been scorched as well. She double-checked the tap, sure she had lifted the handle towards cold. She definitely had. She tested the water. It came out cold. Even when she turned on the hot water, it continued to come out cold until it slowly warmed. What the heck? Callie wondered aloud, unwilling to touch her tongue to any part of her mouth yet. She went to the fridge, found some cold apple juice, and drank it from a new glass. 
It cooled her tongue, but only time would heal it. Unable to solve the mystery, Callie put a breakfast of egos and oranges together, then called the kids back down. They passed her with wary glances on the stairs. Francis and Matthew's bed was the same empty mess Callie had left earlier. No clothes, no backpack. She gritted her teeth. She'd given those kids a chance. A chance to make things right and have a nice, smooth weekend. She would not give them another. While the kids were busy eating downstairs, Callie decided to have a look around their rooms. She started in Dean's room, assuming she would find everything there and be done. His python watched her look behind and under the bed, in the closet, and in all the dresser drawers. The backpack in particular couldn't have been hidden anywhere else in the small room, and that was the most important item at this point. It had her phone, her computer, and all of her extra clothes in it. So then it was on to Riley's room. Riley had a big closet where Callie looked first. A walk-in with clothes hanging on either side beneath long shelves. A rectangular scuttle door to the attic rested above her head. Callie ran her hands along the shelves where she couldn't see and quickly determined her things were not there. When she checked under the bed, her hand brushed against something that slid into the light. It looked familiar, but she couldn't quite place it. The item's shape was a flat, rounded triangle with a hole in the center. The bottom was padded with felt. Behind her, the closet door she had left open slowly began to close. What are you doing? Dean's voice made Callie hit her head on the bottom of Riley's bed. She grunted and removed herself from the small space. The closet door clicked shut. She and Dean both stared at it. I must have... Callie trailed off. Dean shrugged. Callie said, Um, since you asked, I'm looking for my stuff. It seems whoever took it still doesn't want to give it back. Look, I didn't take your things. I don't know what else to say, Dean said. There was no argument or defiance in his voice, only pleading surrender. Well, then don't expect to have much fun this weekend. I'm going to call my parents and have them bring me some clothes, and after that, I'm going to sit down in the living room in front of the TV. You and your sister can stay in your rooms and leave me alone. As she said it, Callie realized this probably didn't sound like much of a punishment. Where'd you get that? Dean pointed to the triangular object in Callie's hand. I found it down here, Callie replied. She's always taking my stuff, Dean said, huffing into the room. He took the object out of Callie's hand and dove under the bed. So now you're stealing your sister's stuff too? Callie asked. It's not stealing if it's yours, Dean replied, emerging with a folded game board in his hand. She stole this out of my room. What is it? Callie asked. But Dean left without answering. He didn't actually need to. Seeing the game board made Callie realize what the triangular object with the hole in the center was. A planchette. The only game piece needed to play Ouija. What in the world was little Riley trying to do? Talk to the dead? Alone again, Callie suddenly felt unsafe. She stood, then froze. She felt watched. She felt like someone was about to touch her shoulder. She thought of the closet door closing itself, the closet door directly behind her, and ran out of the room. Dean's door was already closed. Fine, he could stay in there. Downstairs, Callie found Riley running her finger through the leftover syrup on her plate and licking it clean. Time for you to go back upstairs, Callie said. Did your clothes come back? Riley asked. Nope, and I'm going to stick to what I said. But you know I didn't take them, right? Riley looked hurt. Riley, 
I need to make a phone call. Can you please just go upstairs? Fine. A look of indignation swallowed the hurt on her face as Riley pushed her plate away and stomped out of the room. Callie used the landline to call her mom. She didn't pick up, probably because of the unfamiliar number, so Callie left a message asking to have some clothes dropped off. She mentioned that she had lost her phone, so if either of her parents needed to talk to her, they would have to call the house. The phone rang just two minutes after Callie hung up. Hey, Cal, how's it going over there? Her mom asked. Callie sighed. It's not great, Mom. These kids are causing some problems, like hiding my things from me. That's why I don't have my phone. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I hope it turns up. Yeah, me too. Hey, can you bring me some clothes today? After a pregnant pause, Callie's mom said, I'm so sorry. I texted you, but now I'm realizing you couldn't have seen it. What, Mom? Well, your dad and I haven't gone away, just the two of us, in a long, long time. With you being busy the whole weekend, we thought, well, we thought it'd be fun to fly out to Vegas for a couple of days. You're telling me you're in Nevada right now? Callie asked. We booked a late flight last night and got in early this morning. We just checked in at the Mirage. I'm sorry, honey. That's all right. Have fun. I'll see you when you get home. Her mom started to say, I love you, but Callie hung up, not feeling very lovey at the moment. She watched the TV until her stomach growled for lunch. She found some frozen pizzas in the freezer and thought she could take some up to the kids so they wouldn't even have to come out to eat. She set the oven to 425 and returned to the couch to wait for it to heat up. A noxious odor snuck into the living room while Callie waited for the oven. It burned her sinuses and made her stomach hurt. At first, she didn't make the connection. She was actually on her way upstairs to demand to know what Dean was burning when she passed by the oven and saw the plume of black smoke spilling out of its vents. She shut the oven off and opened the door. A ball of smoke shot out at her as if from a cannon. She stumbled back against the counter, hacking. The smoke detectors in both the kitchen and living room started blaring. Callie? Riley's nervous voice came from the stairs, a prelude to her padded feet rushing down. Stay there, Callie commanded. She coughed some more. The smoke refused to clear. She turned on the fan above the stove, but it still lingered. Actually, help me open some of these windows, she shouted into the entryway. She could barely see Riley floating like a wraith through the smoke in a long nightdress. Together, they opened every window on the first floor of the house. Callie returned to the kitchen once she thought it was safe to breathe in there again. A blackened heap of melted something sat on the top rack. She donned oven mitts and pulled the rack out. Fused zippers gave up the mystery. The overbaked item was her backpack. What is it? Riley asked from a safe distance. Callie didn't answer. Couldn't answer. This went too far. Had her backpack been in there the whole time, waiting for this to happen? It didn't matter. Dean had to pay. Rage seethed under her skin and on her sore tongue. Callie grabbed a pair of scissors protruding from the knife block by the sink. She cut a slit in the melted polyester next to the top zipper, the teeth of which had been welded shut. Cold air fluttered through her borrowed pajamas as a breeze passed through the house, dispersing the last wafts of smoke. She checked her phone first. The screen had shattered and turned brown near the corners. A blackened mass protruded from the bottom like a tumor. She checked her laptop next, hoping she might still be able to send messages with that. The MacBook's metal exterior was in fine shape, but when she opened it up, 
she saw the same brownish-red discoloration that infected her phone screen. The laptop refused to turn on, even though she had put it in the backpack with a full battery. Another minute in the oven, and Callie wondered if that battery would have exploded. Her charging cables were an unrecognizable mass of blackened rubber and scorched wire. The extra set of clothes she had packed, some yoga pants and a t-shirt, smelly and discolored. The yoga pants wouldn't even unfold. The smoke detector in the living room had stopped on its own, and now the one in the kitchen shut up as well. Callie turned and saw Riley standing beneath it on a chair with a pencil in hand. Thanks, Callie said flatly. Then, out of the corner of her eye, she saw Dean standing in the doorway. I didn't do it, he said automatically. I didn't say you did, Callie responded, although her voice betrayed the suspicion. You were going to, Dean said. I'm calling your parents. This is too much. What they paid me to be here won't even cover my phone, let alone my computer, and now I don't have any clothes at all. Please don't, Dean said, looking down. Riley left the room. <laughs> you think I'm going to listen to anything you have to say after this? Kid, you better pray I don't sue you, or maybe get you charged with attempted murder. What would have happened if my laptop blew up and caught the whole oven on fire, huh? Your sister's room is right up there. You could have killed us both. But I didn't do it, Dean said, finally seeming as angry as Callie knew he was beneath his cool facade. Then who did? Riley? Come on, kid, I'm not an idiot. She hates me, Dean said, back to his meek self. She wants you to think it's me. Please. No, really, I bet she put my rat in her own room, too. She's done stuff like that before because she knows mom and dad think I'm weird and don't like me very much, but they love her to death. Even if that's true, Callie started, then softened her tone when she saw Dean had started crying. Even if that's all true, I don't think she could have reached that bathroom window, so who opened that? Dean sniffled, looked up, then looked back down. Callie saw conflict in that brief flash of his eyes. He had been about to say something he thought better of. Callie took a deep breath and caught the stench of smoke again. It was laced in her hair. Okay, new deal. I'm going to go take another shower. When I come back out, I want a full, honest explanation about what's been going on. If I'm satisfied, I won't call your parents yet. But if I have a single doubt about your story, I'm calling and telling them I'm leaving so they'll have to come back. Guessing they won't be too happy about that. Dean stood still as Callie brushed past him to go upstairs. Just as she passed, Dean muttered something she didn't catch. What was that? She asked, whipping around. She has help, Dean repeated. Who? Riley? Dean nodded. It's gonna sound crazy, but I've heard her talking to someone. She goes in her closet and shuts the door. Sometimes, sometimes she talks back to herself in a weird voice. You're going to have to do better than that, Callie replied. She went upstairs to shower. This time, she locked both doors and put the chair under the doorknob again. She shed the smoky silk pajamas and turned on the water. She tested it with the back of her hand until it felt just right, then stepped under the steam. The second her back was turned, absorbing the full blast of the well-pressured shower, the water turned scalding hot, so hot it instantly fogged up the shower door. Callie screamed in shock and pain and jumped into the corner away from the painful stream. She couldn't reach the door without putting her arm in the burning water. She couldn't reach the dial either. She could see it, barely turned a quarter of the way toward the hottest setting. What is wrong with this house? 
she yelled to no one but herself. Steam now filled the whole room again. Callie slid along the shower wall, getting flecked by droplets of hot water as she reached for the dial. Just as her fingertips finally touched the slippery metal, she heard a muted shriek from somewhere else in the house. She wondered if one of the kids had tried to wash their hands and been burned the way she had by the shower. Finally, Callie managed to kill the shower stream. She wrapped herself in a towel and went into the bedroom. She cracked open the bedroom door and called out, Is everything okay out there? He let his snake loose, Riley screamed from her bedroom. Callie instinctively slammed the door shut and frantically looked around for Dean's python. He was dead. If his parents didn't hurry back after she called them, what she was absolutely going to do now, she was going to kill the boy herself. When she felt sure enough the snake wasn't hiding in the room, Callie hurriedly put on another set of pajamas. Where is it now? She called through the door. I don't know, Riley screamed. Callie slid along the wall until she reached Riley's doorway. The girl was up on her bed as she had been when the rat was in her room. Where's Dean? Callie asked. I don't know. Great, so he lets the snake out and disappears. One last hurrah before I bring the fury of his parents down on him? Okay, just stay there, she told Riley. The poor child was in tears. Can you check in the closet? Riley asked. Callie swallowed hard and nodded. She opened the closet door. There were no pythons in sight. Callie tried to close the door, but Riley moaned. Did you check the whole thing? Riley, it... Please, Callie. Everything within her fought to stay out, but she stepped into the closet anyway. The door slammed shut behind her. Riley? Callie called. The door was locked. Riley? She shouted louder. Besides a sliver of light crawling under the door, she was in pitch darkness. Something behind her moved. It slid along the floor. Callie screamed for Riley once more as she kicked blindly. She remembered the way the snake had snapped around the rat the day before. Would it be able to do that to her? As panic rose within her, Callie grabbed one of the high shelves and pulled herself up. With some effort, she managed to bring one leg up, then the other, until she was on all fours on the shelf. The python below her hissed. Riley, help me! Callie screamed. She was so terrified of the snake, she didn't stop to consider it could have been Riley who slammed the door. Riley who had lured her into the closet. It was Riley. In the silence that followed her cry for help, Callie realized Dean had been telling her the truth. It had been Riley the whole time. Her head bumped the ceiling, but rather than give her a lump, the ceiling gave way. Callie remembered the scuttle door she had seen up there. The attic. She didn't know if it would offer her an escape, but it would at least put something between her and the loose python. She nudged the scuttle door aside and climbed into the musty attic. Something tickled her cheek, causing her to scream and nearly fall back through the opening. But when she batted the thing away, she realized it was only a beaded cord. She gave it a tug, and thankfully, the attic lit up. Callie dropped the scuttle door back over the opening to seal herself off from the snake and child below. It was immediately apparent the attic would offer no escape, only temporary protection. Insulation spilled out of every corner. The whole attic was smaller than the master bedroom. In one corner, Callie finally found her clothes. They were stuffed with insulation and propped up as if a person, as if she herself, was sitting there, watching her. Riley did take them, Callie realized. Only how remained a question. Beside the life-sized makeshift doll stood a tank Callie guessed was the water heater. 
The attic was cold, and Callie wondered if the water heater could warm her up. She crawled over to it and huddled against the wall, hiding from her bulging clothes in the opposite corner. Riley's muffled voice traveled up through the floor. Okay, she's up there. Now what should I do? Callie held her breath to hear who Riley was talking to. Dean? The snake? Neither, it turned out. The voice which replied also belonged to Riley, but it was altered. It sounded deeper and somewhat choked. Get the poison, the choked voice said. Won't they know it was me? Riley asked. I'll take care of it, dear one, the other voice replied. Riley's footsteps shuffled out of the closet below. Callie searched for something, anything she had missed, which she could use to block the scuttle door from opening. The only thing she could think of was herself. Riley's footsteps came back, dragging something behind her. Callie threw herself over the door, and a moment later the little girl pushed up on the door and found it wouldn't move. Get off! Riley screamed. Let me go! Callie screamed back. You have to die! Riley replied. Something flashed beneath the water heater, stealing Callie's gaze. The tiny blue flame underneath it swelled and fell rapidly, as if it were panting. Callie took a calculated risk and dove towards the heater and snuffed out the pilot flame. It relit itself. There, with her face on the floor, looking under the water heater, she found a sculpture. It appeared to be made from baked clay and roughly resembled a person. A person with two long horns protruding from their head. The scuttle door burst open and Riley's hands grabbed the ledge. She lifted her head to the attic but froze when she saw what Callie held in her hand. She found it, the other voice said through Riley's mouth. Leave it alone, Riley said. In her own hand, she held a tall green can. A bug bomb. The type that releases enough insect-killing fog to have filled the attic four times over. What if I don't? Callie demanded. No answer. Fine, I'm smashing it. No, the other voice yelled. Riley dropped the canister and disappeared from the hole. You'll let me come down? Callie asked. Yes, an angry voice below hissed. It could have been Riley or the other. Where's the snake? Back in its cage, Riley said. Her voice still contained venom. I'll break your little doll if you're lying, Callie said. There was no answer, but she moved toward the exit anyway. I'm coming down. Riley waited in the closet doorway, scowling, until Callie dropped onto the chair below. Now give it back. Riley said. No, not until after I've called your parents. This is over. Riley snarled. Her eyes widened. Her pupils expanded. Her hands tightened into claws. She only took one step before Callie threw the clay figurine on the floor and stomped on it. Riley unleashed an agonized scream, then collapsed. Callie didn't look back as she ran out of the room. She found Dean lying still on the floor beside the stairs, it appeared he had been pushed over the rail. Thankfully, he was still breathing. Without thinking about how things would look for her, Callie ran to the phone and called 911. Both children lived. Dean had a concussion and a broken clavicle, but nothing that wouldn't heal with time. Riley had no injuries at all, but she seemed distant after she woke up. She seemed hollow. It seemed a part of her, a significant part, hadn't woken up with her, and Callie hoped it never would.
The police contacted Francis and Matthew, who hurried back, or so they claimed. Callie was detained until Dean was well enough to corroborate her story. A psychologist interviewed both children. It seemed Riley had contacted something otherworldly through the Ouija board. It had instructed her to create the little figurine to bring it into the world of the living. The psychologist said this was all Riley's way of coming to terms with a psychotic break, but Callie knew better. She knew Riley couldn't have reached that bathroom window, couldn't have gotten through the locked door, and absolutely could not have instantly boiled a pot of water. Some mystery remained around Riley's intentions with the life-sized replica of Callie in the attic. Neither Francis nor Matthew seemed to want to accept that their sweet little girl had almost killed their supposedly satanic son. They tried to press charges against Callie, but Dean's story vindicated the babysitter. Plus, there were no actual signs of harm done to Riley, and Callie never mentioned the bug bomb to anyone. Riley was getting the help she needed. Callie never cashed her check. She never asked for any compensation for her phone or her computer. Of course, this was not out of sympathy or compassion. This was not because of some lingering guilt. No, it was far simpler, although perhaps difficult for someone else to understand. Callie, quite simply, wanted absolutely nothing to do with that family ever again. You made it out. Congratulations. If you enjoyed the story, please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. Reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash thewarningwoods. If you want more creepy content, including the images that accompany each story, follow me on Instagram at thewarningwoods. If you feel ready, meet me here next week for another journey into the warning woods. Thank you for listening.